This is the She Rise podcast, where we discuss ideas, thoughts, and tools to help women gently rise up in their purpose, in their influence, and in their happiness. I'm your host, Heidi DeGraffenried. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to the She Rise podcast. I'm so excited today to be here with Sheridan Ripley. She is a good friend of mine and someone that I love and look up to. She is the author of six books. She's a podcaster and a life coach. She started her life coaching business, Enjoy Life, after 10 years of helping women enjoy birth by teaching childbirth classes and being a birth doula. And then as she transitioned into new areas of parenting and into raising teenagers, she learned and gathered tools to help other parents and help her survive. And then she's been able to use those to help other people and put those tools together in classes and one-on-one coaching. And she really helps other mothers who are struggling to enjoy life, even when their family members are doing dumb things. (laughs) She had to put those tools to test when her 16-year-old son snuck down to Mexico and was kidnapped. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Her biggest passion is in encouraging women to harness heavenly help through all the stages of their lives from birth to empty nesting. She loves helping women as they go through challenging transitions. So Sheridan, thanks for being here and welcome to the She Rise podcast. Yeah, thanks Heidi. I'm so excited to be here. Good. Well, I, I that was a little bit of your background, but tell us a little more about maybe the, the doula work and the birth assistant work that you did. Yeah, I started out um, teaching hypno babies, which is a hypnosis for childbirth program yeah. after I used it with my third baby and then also became a birth doula where I supported my hypno baby students and their, their birth partners through their birthing process. And it, it's, it was just so wonderful and such a privilege to be at such a magical moment in their life. Mm, definitely. I, I trained as a doula also and have been to mostly friend and family births, but it is, it's such a different experience to be there assisting and observing the process for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how many years did you do that for? I did that for, I was pretty active in it for 10 years. And then I just took repeat clients for a few years And I haven't attended a birth in four years now because we moved to a new state and I was already phasing out of that, um, I guess, career, you could say. So I haven't tried to find any clients here. Um, But I, so I did it probably for 14 years, attended births. Wow. That's a long time. I, I know for me, when I took my first client, I realize the time and effort and energy that you have to put your schedule on hold for their birth, whenever that might be. So mm-hmm. we're that, much more dedicated. That was, <laughs> that was my stopping point. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, that's the hardest part is being on call because you just yeah. have no idea when a person's going to have a baby or not. And mm-hmm. it definitely was tricky. And I had little kids at the time, but I had a really great support system and it always worked out. It always worked out. God always made the timing somehow fit into, into what, how I needed it to, I guess you could say. So, yeah. And that, that's actually a really beautiful lesson as well. You Mm -hmm. know, that, that it does always work out and the timing is there, especially for something momentous, like a a person's birth onto this planet, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to be there to support that. And that's a really 
powerful lesson to have the experience of seeing that, you know, through all those years that that right. always worked out. Mm-hmm. So at that point you transitioned into, was it when you moved here? or no. moved to? Yeah. I actually started transitioning into life coaching um, before I moved here. I live in Utah now. I um, was in California and just as my boys grew older and I um, started transitioning out of being as passionate about birth and more into passionate about helping mothers mother their children. And especially through tricky transitions, such as when kids start going to school or when you start having teenagers or when kids start leaving home, there's always these transitions that even though we see they're coming, we don't always have the tools and knowledge and uh, needed to make that a smooth transition, not only for them, but for us as mothers. Right. And so your focus is sort of on living a joyful life through the transitions. Is that, is that the focus? Yeah. I mean, really it's to live a joyful life through everything, but where people seem to sometimes struggle is with the transition. So I help, I help women at any moment that they need the help, regardless of what it is. But I find that most people come looking for help during those transitions. Mm, Right. That makes sense. So what, what tools have you found to be the most helpful during those transition times or just in life to find that joy in life? Yeah. A lot of it is, I'd say the biggest one is first off being aware of what it is that you are feeling, what it is that is actually going on to be able to step back and pause and really observe what's Mm -hmm. happening. That awareness is, I think, really key into shifting into what you want. Because we can want all that we want. Like I want to have a peaceful house or a happy marriage. But if I can't observe what's actually going on and be aware of that, it's going to be really hard to change into what I want if I don't even know what I have. So that's the first step is just being able to be aware and create that space. That reminds me of a phrase I heard that they were saying, the difference between create and react is where you place the C. And so being able to kind of see from the start in creation versus, you know, in react, the C's at the end. So you kind of see it at the end of the whole process. And, and I think that goes along with what you're saying. If you can step back and really see from the beginning, from a better perspective, that does bring a lot more joy in life. Yep. Yep. This is why I like you so much, Heidi. (laughs) You're, we're right on the same brainwave with things. It's so awesome. That's right. So you have a pretty powerful story that I imagine was really difficult to maintain joy through. Um, Do you want to share a little bit about that story that happened with your son? Sure. So my oldest son, Devin, he is very, mm, he's just a really great kid, but super adventurous and doesn't always think ahead when he does things. And when he was 16, he had told us he wanted to go down to see the start of the Baja 1000, which is a desert race through Mexico, mm-hmm. and it starts in Ensenada. And my husband and I are like, no, we're not going to do that right now. Um, like Mexico wasn't feeling very safe right then to us. And we're like, no, that's not going to happen. Well, we should have mm-hmm. probably listened to him a little bit more because he decided that he would go down to Mexico by himself. 
Wow. And we, he told us he was going on a scout camp out. And my husband got the number of the scout leader and called the scout leader just to check and make sure everything was, you know, on the up and up. And um, Devin left on this scout camp out and was gone. Um, you know, he left, I think, the 10th early in the morning. And on the 11th, when he should have been at this camp out, which was in Joshua Tree. So he's like, there'll be no reception. So you can't call. I remember that morning. Um, I had this very distinct impression that Devin was in danger and surrounded by evil was actually the impression that I got. And I'm like, what is happening on this camp out? And I just remember I prayed because there was really nothing else I could do. So I said a prayer and I did not feel better after I prayed and um, I, instead I had, again, that very distinct impression. He was surrounded by evil people, like evil, like distinct evil things. And I'm like, what right. is happening? And I was so perplexed and worried, but again, couldn't do much. I think I tried to call, but it didn't go anywhere. Like there was no, you know, reception where he was. So I prayed again. And this time I just felt inspired to pray and ask that angels could surround him and protect him and help him to see the things that he needed to see in order to be safe. Wow. And after I said that prayer, I actually, I did, I felt better. And I was like, okay, well, I guess, you know, this, we're going to have a great story from Devin when he gets home from this camp out. And I just went about my day. And a few that's amazing. I, I, just, I just have to say, honestly, okay. like, that's pretty amazing. One, that it says a lot about his, um, his ability to like the premeditated way of planning this out <laughs> could yes. really be a great gift in a lot of situ situations, you know, mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's channeled the right direction. Um, and, and so I got to give him some kudos for that. And mm -hmm. a young age being able to like make a plan like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also have to just give kudos to the fact that you were so in tune. I think as a mother, that's really difficult to, it's not difficult, but, but a lot of times we don't trust that mm. we, we get those feelings, but we don't maybe trust and act on that. So the fact that you acted, you still felt it, you acted again, and then you asked for that specific thing that was needed and, and then allowed the, the peace, I think is just, it's really a beautiful example, a powerful example of, of prayer. So mm. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Okay. So after that, you're going about your day. Mm -hmm. and, then and then my husband gets a phone call from the Mexican police. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband basically called me and said, I just got a phone call from the Mexican police in Devon's in Mexico. And he, um, I need to go down and get him. And wow. I, we were, we were both really confused. We figured maybe he had gotten mugged. I mean, first off, we were confused. He was in, why he was in Mexico. <laughs> right. <laughs> that in and of itself was very confusing. Um, but he had like confirmed with Devin, it was really him and you know, it, it really was Devin. And wow. so, um, and then we were confused what happened. We figured maybe he had gotten mugged, like his feet were cut up and, I don't know. It was confusing, but my husband basically drove home to get the passport and 
to head down to Mexico. Again, we were living in Southern California. So it was about a four or five hour drive for him to get down to Ensenada. And the police said they were going to bring Devin to the tourist office and leave him there. But the tourist office was going to close before my husband got there. So I went into like, kind of, okay, I've got to find a way to get Devin someplace safe and and prayed and felt impressed to put on Facebook. Does anybody know anybody in Ensenada? And mm-hmm. I mean, just within, I want to say within 20 or 30 minutes, I had the phone number of the missionaries of our church mm-hmm. that were in Ensenada and wow. was able to talk to them. And they picked up Devin from the tourist place. And actually that morning when they, went out shopping for food because they would shop for food every morning. They felt impressed to get extra chicken that day. So they were able to feed Devin dinner once they found out, oh, we're rescuing this stupid American. <laughs> from, you know, I wow. mean, just so many miracles that happened. I'm so many miracles. And it wasn't until the next day that I had found that I found out what happened. My husband drove down, got him from the missionaries and brought him to a doctor to get his feet looked at down there in Mexico. But, and then they slept there that night. Mm. And then my husband found out what had happened. Devin told him, but they luckily smart of them. They didn't tell me what really happened until they got home the next day. Right. So he, so tell us kind of how did he, what happened from his end of it? Right. So what had happened is he had, you know, decided to go at Ensenada and none of his friends would go with him, you know, because that was a dumb idea. (laughs) And but he just went by himself. And what happened is he didn't have enough money to buy gas to come home. So he's like, well, I'll sell this GPS unit like that was back in the day, you know, when it was a Mm. separate thing than your phone. And some guys were like, oh, yeah, my friend will buy that. Come with me. And they like bring him down this alleyway and these guys jumped out with knives and they grabbed Devin and brought him into a shack and stripped him to his underwear and tied him up and um you know found out where the truck was that he had driven down there and then they left him alone in the shack and it was interesting he said because he said when I was getting brought in the shack I saw a hole in the wall by the door And I thought, I can break out of here if they leave me alone. And to me, that prayer that I had asked, that an angel would help him to see what he needed to see, that was an answer to me, that that he did see that. And so the whole time he was tied up and blindfolded, he was like, I know I can escape if they leave me alone. And they did. They left him alone, and he got himself untied. And actually, this is the funny part of the story, is that he and his friends used to practice tying each other up and getting untied. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Right? Like he had already, it's kind of like, like um, David, you know, in the Bible, how he'd been like prepared with with the the lion and the bear, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of. Maybe this was this is Devin's preparation for this moment in his life. Yes, exactly. So he got himself untied and he um, like broke through the wall. He said mm-hmm. he thought he'd have to hit it a few times, but he literally ran and hit the wall and broke through that first time. And 
I guess there was a guy on a roof nearby who started yelling something in Spanish. And Devin didn't know if he was like, um, quick, he's getting away. Or he was like, run for your life, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> right. Devin was barefoot and he ran barefoot down the, like, you know, a gravel or a dirt road. And at the end of the road, a city bus pulled up right as he got to the end of the road. Wow. And he got on the bus and he was in his underwear. He was like naked except his underwear. And the bus driver had a spare pair of pants that he gave him. Wow. Yeah. And then he um, dropped him off at the city bus station. And and Devin was kind of didn't know what to do. But there was this American couple at a Chinese restaurant right there. And they helped him call the police and they gave him some shoes and a shirt and they translated for the police when they came. And I mean, really, I mean, so many miracles and so many earthly angels and heavenly angels that conspired to help Devin survive this experience and make it home to us safely. It really is amazing. The fact that we can laugh about these things in this mm-hmm. moment, mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a big testament to those angels that that guided his path. And, and that to me also gives me hope as a mother, you know, that wherever my kids are, and it wasn't like it just happened to him. He, he willfully made the choice to do something stupid. And yet Mm -hmm. those angels were still there all along the path. And maybe that says a lot about God as well, you know, Mm -hmm. his reach for us and over us that it, it doesn't matter what we've done or how, you know, the choices we've made necessarily when we are in need will be there. And same with you as parents, you know, it's not like you're just like, well, you made a bad choice. So you're on your own. You know, <laughs> as soon as you hear of that need, you you're you're driving to get to him to to bring him to safety. You know, mm-hmm. and that is just it's such a an amazing story to be yeah. able to to have gone through that and to um to kind of see the steps looking back on it, you know, the, Mm -hmm. that hindsight to see all of those blessings that were lining up, even, even down to like a pair of pants on the bus. Right. Why (laughs) Why did he have a set of spare pants on that bus? Yeah. For sure. All of those little, those little touch points along the way that really made for an amazing escape from, from harm and danger. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's incredible. So having gone through this and looking at the experience, what do you feel like you gained the most? What, what were the lessons you learned the most from this? Um, for me, the lessons that I learned all came after. And I mean, in so many ways, it was such a blessing. I didn't know what had happened until after he was already safe. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. that helped me <laughs> in lots of ways. Right. But Um, I actually wrote a book about it called The Mexico Miracle. And the first half is all about the experiences that he experienced in Mexico. And then the second half are the tools that I used or learned about as we, as a family, were recovering from that experience. And I think the most powerful one really was about forgiveness and Um, yeah, because what I realized is that I needed to forgive the kidnappers and, Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a a process I use that I call forgiveness squared, where 
you imagine the person in front of you and it's based on Ho'oponopono, which is a Hawaiian healing technique, but Mm -hmm. um, you imagine the person in front of you, you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And the squared part is I imagine those people saying it back to me. Wow. And so I had this experience where I did that um, with, I imagine talking to kidnappers and saying those things and them saying it back to me. And I was like, you know, thank you for not being very good kidnappers because you only <laughs> used bandanas to tie them up and not zip ties. And, you know, <laughs> and then God, because I do it in prayer when I do it, I, you know, pray and kind of ask for help for forgiving, especially when it's big like this. Right. Mm-hmm. And God was like, I really want you to say thank you for kidnapping Devin. And I was like, are you crazy? Like, God, what are you telling me to do? And he's like, no, say thank you for kidnapping Devin. And I was like, okay. And wow. so I did, I was like, thank you for kidnapping Devin. And then like thoughts came to me and an understanding that if they hadn't have done that, Devin would have gone back to Mexico and, and done dumber things and would have maybe had an experience where he wouldn't have been able to escape from. And that powerful. Yeah. It came so clearly to me that I could actually have gratitude for that. And interestingly enough, so I did that, had that experience. And then I taught a lesson on forgiveness at church and in preparing it, God's like, now you need to forgive Devin. And somehow that was even harder than forgiving the kidnappers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because he didn't seem very repentant of it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he really didn't. And, um, but I did that same process where I did it Ho'oponopono style forgiveness squared. And I just imagined talking to him and doing those steps and him saying them back to me. But it was very powerful and it helped shift things. And then right. when I wrote the book, I realized, because I reread my journal from that time mm-hmm. and I had to forgive myself for things that I did. Like, I, I don't know that I didn't check more closely to make sure he really was going on the camp out. Um, like the number he gave my husband was like a friend and a friend pretended to be the scout camp out, scout leader, you know, I mean, wow. I don't know. So then I had to do that process with myself. If this was five years later when I wrote the book, but I realized I hadn't really forgiven myself for letting him get in that situation for how I handled it afterwards, because there were things, you know, that maybe I could have done differently. So again, I used my forgiveness squared, but this time I, I was me current talking to my past self and saying, I love you please forgive me. I'm sorry. You know, all of those steps. Thank you. And, um, anyway, so that probably is the most powerful, um, thing that I've learned, right. Mm -hmm. It's just forgiveness is healing. That's, that's really incredible. And it reminds me of, of a prayer that I pray for my kids that they will be, they'll be protected from anything that would take them off their path. But trusting that anything that comes is a part of their path and their learning, you know, mm. knowing that there are times when those hard things happen for a reason that, that if it, if it is in their path, then God has allowed that in their path for a specific reason. And, 
and being able to, as a mom, I think it's difficult to forgive ourselves probably a lot of times more than anyone else Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And I know there was a time that I forgot one of my kids (laughs) (laughs) and he was little, he was like three and, and he'd gone running to the neighbor's house Mm -hmm. and she called me and told me, and I was just, I was so embarrassed and so ashamed. And, and, and I felt like God said, you, you won't always be where they need you to be, but I will. And I think it's the same, you know, with your son that, that he, he was on that path with him. And as a mom, he doesn't expect us to be all things at all times. And it's okay. And to be able to forgive ourselves. Do you feel like that's the the advice you would give other women? Or what do you feel like you would tell them? Yeah, I think that is, it it is, it's situations are going to come up in your parenting journey that you, you, can't plan for like there are no books about what to do when your son gets kidnapped in Mexico you know <laughs> right there's not a book for every single thing that's going to happen and most people probably won't have something quite so dramatic happen but there's always things that come up as we parent our children and that are difficult to deal with and forgiveness is so helpful in helping us to move past those experiences and into a place of learning instead of a place of being stuck and judging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful because really that's what we want ultimately at the end of the day is just to be able to learn and move forward and not stay stuck, mm-hmm. and, but not forgiving or, you know, not letting go. It's just really keeping ourselves stuck in that place. The beautiful lesson. Um, So how can people connect with you, Sheridan? I know you do, you know, you do have your coaching work, you do Mm -hmm. things with different energy techniques and, and things that are tools that are really helpful. What's the best way that connect with you? Yeah, um, the best way is to go to my website, SheridanRipley.com, or I have an Instagram power up your prayers. And I also, if, if people are interested in any birth stuff, they can find me at enjoybirth.com or thegiftofgivinglife.com. Those are my birth platforms. So, and I have a podcast for both the birth ones, but my podcast that's about life coaching and good tools for enjoying life is called Finding Joy in the Journey. Perfect. And where can they get your books? Are they available on those platforms or on your? your yeah, the best, services? the easiest place to get it is just at Amazon and it's called the Mexico miracle. Okay, perfect. I, I highly recommend all of Sheridan's work. I've seen some of her, her books. I have her book and, and it really is, it's such powerful lessons to share. And, and it shows the simple techniques that we know of when we truly apply them, they work. And, and so thank you for taking the time to, to put that story out for all of us. And, and thank you for taking the time to be here and just share your story and your experiences and the lessons and tools that you've used. That's really helpful. Yeah. Thank you, Heidi. I really appreciate being able to talk with you today.
Wow, I feel like Sheridan's story is really powerful. As a mom and as a woman and as a person of faith, I feel like she showed a lot of great example in the way that we can trust and move forward. The one thing that she said that really stood out to me was when she felt guided to thank the kidnappers and to be able to use that experience for learning and growth and to turn it into something of purpose. So I want to invite you to take a moment just to take a breath, close your eyes, and center into your heart. And think of an experience in your life that maybe has felt painful or that feels a little unresolved or a little maybe um, uncomfortable when you pull it up. And notice that pain initially as you think about it, that's sort of the go-to point of that experience. Then I want you just to look around that experience. Is there anything that came from that experience that is of value in your life now? Or did it change the course and direction of your path so that now your path is so much better than it would have been if you hadn't had that course change? Or is there strength and courage and that ability to press on that you gained from that experience? And can you see that in yourself and really value that, that you made it through? That's a gift. And that says a lot about your courage and your abilities. So I want you to look around that experience, explore it a little broader. Take in all the corners of it, all the people involved. Were there any relationships that were built that came from that difficult experience? And then I want you to see that experience, kind of the file of it, it where it's filed away in your mind. And just take that file and write thank you. Thank you on that file. Or maybe the person or people that were involved in in that experience. And see if you can tell them thank you for the growth that I gained. From the value that came to me. From the gifts and the blessings that came through the difficulty that was caused in my life. And it's it's not downgrading or letting go of the acknowledgement of the pain that was caused but it is being able to broaden the experience and draw in the good with it as well so it's not only bitter but it's also sweet there's also goodness we taste the bitter so we can appreciate the sweet and just draw in the sweetness so that it's a full and developed file it's not just the bitter that's held in that file And then feel that gratitude in your heart. Let your heart expand with gratitude for all that you have gained and for how far you've come 
and for who you are today because of that difficult experience. And allow that gratitude to continue to expand from your heart into your full chest and your abdomen. Feel gratitude flowing into your shoulders and neck. Feel it flowing into your mind, your head, down your arms, down your legs, and just feel that sensation of gratitude, that relaxing and calming and elevating sensation of feeling grateful and expressing thanks for the difficulties in our lives. for joining me today for this podcast episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and family so that we can all rise up in our happiness, purpose, and influence. And if you'd like to contact me or find out more information, you can always go to sherisecenter.com where there's links to social media and to sessions and everything there. So I hope to see you soon. Have a great day.